In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while he was there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Do you have any Christmas Eve? traditions, things that you do each and every Christmas Eve. My family does, and some of it revolves around food. We love to eat, and so every Christmas Eve, especially when our kids are at our house, we will prepare a prime rib. I did that this afternoon. Oh, goodness gracious. I, is it time to get out yet? We prepared that prime rib, and it's going in the oven in, in probably about 30 minutes. And then we're going to have baked potatoes, and we're going to have salad, and my kids are going to be there, and my grandkids are going to be there. and It's going to be a loud and rambunctious and wonderful time. And one of the things that we're going to do tonight after we eat and, and after we play a little bit is we're going to sit around and we're going to read the Christmas story. I never get tired of hearing the Christmas story. No matter how many times I hear it read, no matter how many times I read it myself, I never get tired of the Christmas story because the Christmas story reminds me that no matter how bad it gets, there is always hope. No matter how bad I get, I can be forgiven. And no matter how aimless life may seem, God has a purpose for my life. And the same thing that I can say about me, I can say about you. God has a purpose, a plan for your life. And no matter what you have done, God can forgive you. And God loves you with an everlasting love. Now tonight, 
we are wrapping up a journey that we have been on as a church. We've called it a Christmas road trip. Now, if you haven't been with us on that journey, that's okay because you can catch up real quickly. Our road trip has already had three stops. First of all, we discovered that Christmas was planned before creation. The Bible says before God created anything, even before there was time itself, God had planned Christmas. Christmas was on God's calendar before anyone inhabited the earth. Our second stop on our Christmas road trip was was at the Garden of Eden. And there we discovered that Christmas was promised at the fall. When the first man and the first woman rebelled against God, sinned against God, God already had a plan in place to restore them. God already had a plan that he was going to bring a child to the world and that child would crush the head of our enemy, Satan. And that child would make right everything that is wrong with the world. And that child is Jesus. This morning as we gather together, we discovered that Christmas has been prophesied throughout human history. Over 700 years before Jesus was even born, there were prophecies that were given that told us about Jesus' birth. We are told that he would be born of a virgin. We are told that he would be born in Bethlehem. We are told that that he would come from the family tree, the family line of David. Over and over again, the prophets gave us this promise that hope was coming. That one day, a child would be born that would make right everything that is wrong with the world. But tonight as we wrap this series up, I want us to see that Christmas is proclaimed at his birth. You see, the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises and the prophecies that were given in Scripture. Christmas is the culmination of the plan that God started before time itself. Now tonight is we wrap this series up and we look at the Christmas story, there are three truths I want us to see in these verses in Luke 2, really verses 1 through 10. The first thing I want us to do is look at the place of Jesus' birth. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a small town, an insignificant town, about six miles outside of Jerusalem. Bethlehem is first mentioned in the Bible when Rachel died and Jacob her heartbroken husband buried her right outside the city that's the first mention of of Bethlehem it was in Bethlehem that that Ruth fell in love with Boaz and married him and it was in Bethlehem that that David the king of Israel was from and and it was in Bethlehem that he was tending the sheep of his father when he was called to be king of Israel it was Bethlehem that that the prophet Micah prophesied that the Messiah would be born there. Today, Bethlehem is is a city in the heart of Israel. It's a city of about 30,000 people. Half of them are Muslim. Half of them are Christians. The most important site in that city is a Greek Orthodox church that has been there since 530 A.D. It has stood there for almost 1,500 years. And that church was built on the site of a church that was erected in 325 A.D. by Constantine's mother. Underneath this church, there is a cave. And many believe that that it is in that cave that Jesus 
was born. But the question I, I want to ask you tonight is, why Bethlehem? I mean, of all the places in the world where God's son could be born, why did God choose Bethlehem? Why didn't he choose Jerusalem? I mean, Jerusalem was the religious capital of the world. Why not Jerusalem? It was only six miles away. Well, maybe it was because religion isn't the answer to man's problems. Why was he not born in Rome? Rome was the political capital of the world. Maybe it's because the answer to all of our problems is not found in politics. Why wasn't Jesus born in Athens? Athens was the seat of intellectual power. Was maybe because the answer to our problems is not education. Why Bethlehem? Well, the name Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. And maybe God was trying to tell us that Jesus is the bread of life that will fill our every need. In Greek, the name Bethlehem means house of lamb. And maybe God was trying to tell us that Jesus is the Lamb of God that will take away our sins. I believe the reason Jesus was born in Bethlehem is because he is the only one who will fill the emptiness, the void in your life. And he is the only one who can take away your sins. You see, too many of us today are, are trying to fill this emptiness, this void in our life from things that this world has to offer and and to be honest with you, those things are never going to fill us. They're always going to leave us empty. And many of us are, are trying to find forgiveness by doing right, by resolving to live a good life from here on out. And yet the Bible says that there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to be forgiven. Why Bethlehem? Maybe, just maybe, because Jesus is the bread of life who fills our every need. Maybe it's because he is the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. But the Bible says that he was not just born in Bethlehem. The Bible says that he was born in a manger, a feeding trough. If you know the story, you know that when Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem, all of the boarding houses were filled. There was no place for them to stay. And so they went out into a stable and found a feeding trough. A stable was just simply the place where the animals were kept. And they found a feeding trough, and that is where they, they put Jesus when he was born. On our Christmas cards, we, we see these beautiful mangers and beautiful stables that, that, that look almost clean. And because of that, I think we forget how dirty and how filthy this place that Jesus was born was. Why? I mean, Jesus is the Son of God, God in the flesh. Why would God choose Bethlehem? Why would God choose a feeding trough for his Son to be born? Maybe, just maybe, because anybody can go to a feeding trough. You, you see, some of us would never go to a palace. I wouldn't. I'd be afraid. I'd be embarrassed. But anyone can go to a feeding trough. A shepherd, 
or a wise man. And, and maybe God was trying to tell us that anyone and everyone, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what our background is, we can come to Jesus. There may be some of you here tonight who are wondering right now, would Jesus accept me? Would Jesus receive me? Could, could I become a part of his family? And the answer is yes. Jesus with arms wide open is saying to you, I love you. I care for you so much that I was born in a feeding trough so that you could come to me. The birth of Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But the second thing I want you to see that I think is important for us is the providence behind Jesus' birth. Centuries before Jesus was ever born, the prophet said that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of this promised Messiah. And when Herod heard that a king was going to be born, he went to all of his wise men and, and the prophets and, and the religious leaders and he asked them, where will this king be born and they all said Bethlehem because that's what the prophets had said but I don't think we really understood can understand how difficult it was for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem because Jesus wasn't from Bethlehem Jesus mother and father Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth 70 miles outside of Bethlehem it would have been a multiple day journey over difficult terrain it wasn't an easy journey by any means and Mary was about to give birth but they had to go to Bethlehem because the king Caesar the leader of Rome issued a decree that that the entire Roman world would be taxed now, now you say what's so big about that Kings and, and rulers can do that at any time, and you're absolutely right. But what you need to understand is that God was behind the scenes orchestrating all of this. And what you need to understand today is God is behind the scenes orchestrating all the events of life. All too often we get, we get caught up and concerned and worried about what is going on in the world. We watch CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and, and we have this 24-hour news cycle and, and we get anxious and worried and concerned about what is going to happen with North Korea, what is going to happen with Israel, what is going to happen in Washington. And yet what you need to understand is God is in control. And God is moving everything in human history toward the end that he desires. Understand, nothing is going to thwart God's plan. When God said hundreds of years before Jesus was born that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, he orchestrated the events that would make that happen. And today, God does the exact same thing. I'm sure you heard this past week about the United Nations and their vote saying that they were extremely upset with the United States for saying that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. And by the way, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. It's their capital. We don't decide where their capital is. They do. We don't, we don't let someone else decide what our capital is. Washington is our capital. And so we just said that we are going to recognize Jerusalem as their capital. And 
And now everybody's upset. There's protest in the streets. Could it be? Could it be that God is just orchestrating the events of human history right now to prepare for his son to come back? Could it be that? The providence behind his birth. God is in control. God was in control of the events back then, and, and God is in control of events right now. So we don't need to worry. We don't need to fret. If you were here this morning, you heard me talk about my wife and I flying from, from New York back to um, this area on Friday night, and we hit some turbulence, and my wife is not good with turbulence, and she got a little freaked out. She got a little panicked, and she was concerned and worried, and I said, babe, if it's our time, it's our time. We can't do anything about it. I mean, if it's our time, we can get off this plane, we can drive, and something's going to happen. I mean, we, we just got to trust God. She said, but I don't want it to be my time. And I said, well, I don't either, but when it's my time, it's my time. I can't change that. You, you see, we get so worried about about the things that are happening around us, the things that are happening within us. And it causes us to get anxious and worried and concerned when, when in reality we just need to understand that God's on his throne. God's in control. Everything is moving toward his desired end. The place of his birth tells us that, that anyone can come to Jesus. The providence behind his birth tells us that God is on his throne. He is in control. And he is moving everything toward the ultimate end that he desires. But the final thing I want you to see in this passage is this. And that is the purpose behind his birth. The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you, who is Christ the Lord. And in that phrase, we see three things that Jesus desires for each and every one of us. First of all, he desires to be our Savior who will forgive our sins. Have you ever wondered why the very first title that Jesus was given was Savior? I mean, why not king? Why not master? Why not Lord? He said, Savior. Why? Because that's the ultimate need of each and every one of us. We need a Savior. The Bible says, for all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says no one is righteous, not even one. We all need a Savior. We've all rebelled against God. We've all fallen short of His plan. And without a Savior... We have no hope. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to be our Savior, to forgive our sins, to die in our place. And I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey tonight. I know in my life, at nine years of age, I came to the clear realization that I needed a Savior. I knew that I had sinned against God. I knew that I had broken His laws. I knew that I had rebelled against His authority as a nine-year-old. And, and, and certainly, I, I was raised in a good home, and they took me to church, and all of that played a part. I understand all of that. But at nine years of age, Something happened in my life, and I knew that I needed a Savior, and His name was Jesus. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you 
need a Savior. We all do. But this passage tells us that Jesus is not only a Savior who can forgive our sins, He is a Messiah who can set us free. Jesus is the Savior. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And the Messiah was the one that the Jews thought were going to come and and free them from Rome's control. And yet what they didn't realize is that the control that Jesus came to free them of was not Rome or, or some other political power. Jesus came to set them free from the power of sin. You see, Jesus came to this earth not only to die on a cross so that we could be saved from the penalty of sin and and go to heaven. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be set free from the power of sin. And many of us want to be free. I I mean, that's why we have AA, that's why we have NA, that's why we have all of these anonymous groups out there because people want to be set free from the things that bind them, from the things that control them. But the problem is, hear me, we can never be set free on our own. I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous even says, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And yet the Bible says, when you know the truth, you will be free indeed. I believe with all my heart, when Jesus Christ comes into your life, He can set you free from whatever power binds you. There are some of you here tonight who who are controlled by alcohol. Others of you are controlled by drugs. Some of you are in bondage to pornography. There are all kinds of things that are controlling you. And I'm here to tell you that your best efforts are not going to set you free. There's only one way that you can be set free, and that's through Jesus. You have to surrender to Him, relinquish your life to Him. And when He comes to live in your life, you can know the truth. The truth will set you free. But Jesus is not only a Savior who forgives us. He's not only a a Messiah who sets us free. Jesus is a Lord who came to sit on the throne. Understand, Jesus didn't come to earth to be our butler. Jesus didn't come to this earth to to respond to your every request, saying, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. Jesus came to this earth to rule and reign in your life. And the Bible says one day every knee will bow. One day every tongue will confess that, that he is Lord. There's coming a day when every man and every woman and every boy and every girl who has ever lived will stand before God and they will bend their knee before God and they will say, Jesus is Lord. The problem is, if we don't do that here on earth, when we do that then, it will be too late. When we do it then, we're only acknowledging the fact. You're on the throne and I'm not. But if we do it here on this earth, it'll change everything. And and so where are you tonight? Where are you at in your journey? Are you a skeptic? Are you wondering whether this Jesus thing is real? If you are then I want to encourage you to examine the evidence. 
Look at the evidence for yourself. Don't take someone else's word. Open up the Bible, read the history, and see whether Jesus is who he said he was or not. If you're here tonight and you're a seeker, I'm here to tell you that your search is over. Jesus is the one who came to this earth to set us free. Jesus is the one who can meet your every need. Jesus is the one who can forgive your sin. So quit searching and surrender your life to Jesus. And if you're here tonight and you're a worshiper, then I want to challenge you to give Jesus your all. Because the truth of the matter is, many of us who claim the name of Jesus are simply casual Christians. We come to Jesus when it's convenient. We serve Jesus when we need something. And yet He is God of all creation. And He is worthy of our worship 24-7. So give Him your all. And so where are you at tonight? See, what we're celebrating tonight was planned before creation itself. It was promised when man first sinned. Throughout human history, it was promised, praise God, when Jesus was born in that stable, all those promises, all those prophecies were fulfilled. And what he did that night, he did for you. So do you know him? Have you given your life to him? I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, if you're here and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, but tonight you would like to do that, then I want to encourage you right here, right now, with no one looking around, everyone's head bowed, everyone's eyes closed, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer. Dear God, I come to you tonight acknowledging that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I've rebelled against your authority in my life. I've tried to act like I'm God. Forgive me. Jesus, I know you love me. I believe you came to this earth, died on the cross so that I could be forgiven. I believe you rose from the grave so that I could live forever with you. And tonight, I'm trusting you to save me. Tonight, I'm giving my life to you. Come into my heart. Take control. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. And thank you for saving me.